Good morning for the Met Radio Morning Mixtape. I am Donovan LaCroixy, and returning to the show, I've got actor Greg Valenti Gonzalez returning. How you doing? I'm good, Donovan. How are you, man? I'm doing good. Welcome back to the show. But this time it's new. It's Met Radio 1280 AM Toronto. You were familiar when we were the old station, but you're returning. I love it. I love it. Sometimes uh, it's nice to have new things. Yes, yes, yes. And what do you want to say to Met Radio Toronto that don't know you? What do you want to say to the listeners? I want to say one thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, Donovan is amazing. I've known me and Donovan now. This is talking year three. And um, he's an absolute pleasure to know as both a radio personality, but also as a friend. And I'm really looking forward to our discussion today. Oh, right. All right. All right. And for listeners that don't know, you are an actor, right? Did you want to, you know, just remind the listeners because there's always new listeners. They want to know, how did you decide to become an actor? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm based in New York City. And a couple of years ago, actually, the, uh, six months before COVID, I ended up getting started with Anthony Gibson's studio in Manhattan. And that was kind of um, when I gave myself an ultimatum. If I got in, I'll pursue it. If I don't, I was modeling at the time and I was going to stick with that. But I ended up getting in. And then COVID happened. So, you know, that kind of put everything on delay. I was still training during that time. And um, after COVID was not necessarily done, but when things started uh, loosening up a little bit, I got involved in booking a couple of my first roles uh, were speaking roles. And then it kind of took a life of its own where I started producing and then getting more involved. And um, the more I got involved, the more I loved it. And I've been learning a lot of different aspects of filmmaking besides the actor standpoint, but producing standpoint, the editing standpoint, the directing standpoint. And it's been a journey since I was a kid. I've always loved movies. I've always loved television and never thought of it as a job when I was a child. And then when I got older, I was like, you know what? Let's do it. You know, let's try it out and see if I like it. And I've fallen in love ever since. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But now you have some news to share with us that you do have representation, right? Yeah. So as I, I produced this show, Punk Rock 101, and um, it's been such a journey from starting out as a, you know, we did have shot multiple things and they've kind of branched off into different little individual projects. And um, it's transformed into this tele- this series that... um brought me into contact with ACP Talent Management. And uh, so right now I'm working with Allison Mayhay. She's the president over there. And um, she's been representing me over in Los Angeles, uh, coast to coast. And so that's really helped a lot. She's a wonderful woman, has great connections, great personality. And it happened very naturally. And speaking with different people in the industry, they said when something happens organically, go with it. Um, that's that's a good sign. So it's been great. Me and her, she's like a second mother, and she's been fantastic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And something's different now. Year three, we're doing this interview together, producing. How did that go in? go about where you said, you know what, I want to take a crack at producing? Because we talked about Punk 101 last year, right? Yeah, so this kind of, not that it fell into my lap, but I was asked, as I was originally cast to play one of the main roles as character Danny in one of these shorts that were kind of like a proof of concept type thing, but also its own independent film. Um, as I got more involved with the director, Kevin Arose, he, he asked me to come on board. He's like, you know, do you want to be involved in producing? And then we did a couple of projects together. And the more we did it, because I never went to school for any of this stuff. So I called every single person I knew in the industry and said, hey, you know, ask questions. I called my resources. Um, I did a ton of research. And as 
I went through that. I learned a lot. And it was like, you know, people say you learn on the job. And I literally did do that over the last two years to where now I produce multiple projects. I'm now helping actually produce another film, a thriller short uh, called Red Roses and Black Secrets with a with an actor and friend called uh, named Symbol Karma. And um, it's kind of transformed to where I enjoy producing. It is a ton of work. And as from the actor side, you know, we don't always see what goes behind closed doors with casting, with projects, the producing location, the editor, the DP, the director, the cinematographer. And there's so many reasons why projects don't get done and so many reasons why projects do get done. And as actors, we only see, you know, sometimes like, all right, we audition. If we get a call back, great. If you don't, the audition was still a win. But there's a lot of different reasons why we might not get a role. Not that necessarily you are good, but it might be, yo, you were great. But look wise, there's just a different vision. So being on the other side of that, it's actually helped me as an actor because now I see what else goes into it besides just the casting process. And also I've seen a ton of talented actors where I was like, wow, this girl is so good. This guy is so good. But this person does have the better look of what the vision is they're equally as talented or maybe the other person did give a better audition however this person just fits so um anytime you audition for something as an actor go into it as matthew mcconaughey said as matthew mcconaughey says own the role when you walk in and after that go enjoy yourself mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's, you know you don't control there's a lot that we don't control all we can do is control what we do in the room Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, seeing from the producer side, you made a good point saying some projects don't get picked up. Can you explain to our listeners why some projects just don't go through because they don't see from the producer side? Totally, yeah. So sometimes you get have projects that ultimately end up just not getting finished because maybe you lost funding or maybe you ran out of funding or maybe, you know, the stuff that you show, you're like, ah, oh, this footage doesn't really work. Um, And so there's no second chance at some points or you know when you're given lemonade you make lemonade and you got to make it work uh, with what you got because whatever you shot is what you shot and that's what you got to use and you got to make the best of it sometimes you know when talking to these different uh network executives and different people from networks and you're pitching different things um sometimes it's like hey this project is great and we love it you know we've ever been in the room a couple of times for different uh, ideas with this. They're like, we love it. We love the concept. We love the work that you guys have done um, for different projects, but we need you need a big name, either actor attached or producer or a big name director attached to the project. Because what's kind of going on now in the industry is that a lot of networks are canceling a lot of different shows. Some shows like, for example, uh, The Pink Ladies was slotted to be filming and they started filming and then just straight up canceled it. It's not going to be released. And that's a show that had a lot of backing behind it. This happens sometimes, you know, you'll be watching your favorite show on Netflix and all of a sudden it's canceled. It doesn't come back for a season two. And you're like, but that show was a hit. Why isn't it coming back? Sometimes it loses fire. It loses uh, the hype behind it. It's not hot anymore. You know, it lost some heat, as they say. Um, and other times something else comes along and funding goes to another area. Uh, okay. So That's really the other aspect behind it is that people think, you know, if you have an idea, the show is going to be made right just like that, but it doesn't happen that way. It takes Breaking Bad. It took, I believe, five years or seven years for that show to actually get made. The Sopranos, they filmed season one and then they shelved it for a year. Um, So a lot of stuff goes into making shows um, and making movies and things that you can control and other things you can't. And sometimes it's a matter of timing you know mm-hmm. it has to be the right time right to as well yeah, yeah exactly timing is key man you know what are the trends going on in the world um is this the time 
you know, with punk rock, it's kind of have a, had a revival the last couple of years. So it's been kind of perfect time where if you kind of brought this in like seven years ago or six years ago, it might be like, ah, it's not the right time. But now with the When We Were Young Festival, you know, now there's all the, it kind of revitalized all those bands. Now they're all going on different tours and stuff. So it kind of goes into a little bit of the mix of what our show is. So it is kind of a perfect storm for it to be talked about and come out now. Right, right, right. And the Hollywood strike happened last year, the writers and the actors strike, but we're back to work now. And some of these TV shows that we know have been canceled even before back to production or looking to end this season what are your thoughts to that yeah look that's tough um i know certain people that have been on some of these shows um i know certain people that have filmed pilots before uh the strike and um that unfortunately those shows aren't getting made um or are being discontinued and as an actor it's it's tough because you you think like it's sort of like when COVID happened and you know west side story was coming out on broadway and how many actors had pretty much a guaranteed locked in gig and then all of a sudden you know they shut it down and didn't come back so um i feel for those people not even just the actors but all the people involved in those projects because it's like man like you know that's people's livelihoods at the same time the strike was was a necessary was definitely necessary and we needed to do especially to fight for the rights of the actors and the writers and the directors guild um because a lot of things are changing um, you know, with AI coming into the mix, what they can do now with AI is absolutely insane. The amount of money that it, it's kind of crazy because it was like a wild, wild west when you think of streaming services and how the regulations really weren't fully established in terms of payment when it came to streaming services versus things that were on network on television. That's why, you know, if you take a look at uh, HBO, when they were HBO Max, they switched to becoming Max randomly kind of like in uh i believe it was like may or june of the year that switched because now it kind of falls into a different regulatory payment plan and this was before you know before the strike so it's it's crazy how it can be all manipulated based on these regulations uh so that's why the strike was definitely necessary and just like anything you know you sacrifice things during times of strike no matter what industry you're in but it was a necessary means for all and hopefully you know benefits us all in the future in the entire industry right 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 now in case listeners ask did you actors get exactly what you wanted um so to a certain extent i mean you know you're not you don't always make everybody happy right not everybody can whenever you have negotiations you know there's a little give and take on both sides um i think still that there's more to fight for especially as the evolution of AI happens, um, especially with that, because I think that's something that we all have to be mindful of. It could be our best friend, but it also could be our worst enemy. We have to kind of find a common ground with that. Moving forward, I think just in society in general, I do think there's still, there's always going to be a fight, you know, because everybody's going to want to take more, you know, the big brother's always going to want more. And we have to make sure that we keep our peace and try to get a little more of the pot as much as possible. Right, right, right. Would you be comfortable giving your image to AI and them using it without your consent? No, absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) I just asked. uh, Howie Mandel gave AI the permission to use his image. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm, I did mm -hmm. not know that. I mean, look, like if without my consent, I would say no. If it's for like to use for something that I also know I'm getting paid for, uh, but also I've been involved in this project, it, it also depends on what it's going to be used for. I know that's one of the 
things that has been established, we need to know exactly what it's going to be used for when using it. Um, so I think that is really important because just like anything, when you're picking a project, most times people say, well, I want to see like what the sides are. You don't just all the time say, yeah, I'm going to do it. You know, you want to make that choice. You know, you get to a point in your career where you're like, okay, is this a role I want to take on right now? Or is this something maybe I want to do in the future? Or maybe this is something that, you know what, for me, where I'm at in my career, I'm going to pass. It's just not something that I feel very strongly about or attached to at this time, you know? So I think that kind of plays into the AI as well, where thankfully, you know, we have to be told what it's used for so we can make an informed decision ourselves to decide if we really want to be a part of that particular project using that aspect or not. Mm -hmm. But we need human connections, don't we? We need that Greg Valenti Gonzalez. We need to see that face, don't we? We need to see that beautiful face. <laughs> thank, you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I think, look, I think there's nothing more real than human to human connection. You know, when think about the conversations you have with people, FaceTime is nice. Zoom is nice, but there's nothing different than being in person with somebody to not only hear what they're saying, but also to there's a type of atmosphere and vibe that somebody gives off and that you can give to somebody and it's a certain attentiveness and true connection of a relationship that you can have with in person with somebody. So on screen, if the character is fully experiencing, and this is what is going to be interesting with AI. Because AI being a computer, yeah, might look picture perfect, right? But, you know, not everything in life is picture perfect. The ugly is very important as much as the most beautiful things in the world. So with humans, when we, when acting, when you have good acting on screen, you really see behind the, behind the eyes, the actor experiencing. So I'm curious to see with AI, if you have a full AI scene, do you still get that same experience as an audience of seeing the true experiencing behind that AI image or not? Or does it just seem very superficial? Like, man, this doesn't seem believable because, you know, when people go to movies, who said, that? oh, I think maybe it was Matthew McConaughey. I don't remember off the top of my head. It may have been Tom Hanks. That when people go to movies, their IQ jumps like 200 points. So people become very smart in terms of like, oh man, is this real? Did they really shoot it like that? You know, all of a sudden everybody becomes a detective because as soon as the audience doesn't believe it, it takes them out of the film, whether it's a TV show or a movie, unless they go in saying, you know what, I know what I'm expecting from this. It's going to be a little outrageous. That's a different story. But everybody becomes a detective. So that is going to be the question with this AI is, is it still believable? Or is it like, yeah, no, this is this is AI. I, I There's no connection between the actors here because there is no connection. It's a computer. So that's right. going to be the interesting thing to see. Right, right, right. And in case listeners might ask, well, aren't there stories that AI can generate? And aren't there some beautiful AI images? Yeah, there's definitely. Look, I mean, I have tried to stay away from AI as much as possible. However, I just recently started using it on like an app called CapCut just to mess around with different photos that I have and things like that to see like how it would work. And there's some really cool things that it does. I'm like, you know what? This is cool. This can be useful. There's a time and place for using it. In terms of writing, I know people have used like ChatGPT and all that stuff to make some pretty insane and really lovely stories. Uh, but even AI will tell you that there needs to be a human connection, you know, where they can, AI can do all the analytics, you know, what might work for a story in terms of, you know, what's going to be the best for selling this story, what, what aspects should be included in the story, but there needs to still be that human touch on it. So that's where I'm saying we have to, if we do start to use AI, 
and it's going to be used more often as time goes on, we have to find that happy place of what works and what the balance is for us to utilize it as a tool instead of a means to an end where AI is now just being used entirely and there are no more humans interacting for this industry. Right, right, right. And that's why part of the reason why the actors had to strike to protect their image and their rights, right? Exactly. A hundred percent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what projects are we working on now, directing or being in front of the camera? And no, listeners, they're not AI-dominated. <laughs> <laughs> so I we did shoot Punk Rock 101, the pilot, with uh, Eric Roberts, um, which was awesome. He was great to work with. I met him over the summer at uh, his premiere for My Last Best Friend. A movie that he had shot, an independent film. And um, we hit it off right away. He was super cool. I learned a lot from speaking with him in person. And then we got to work together in September. And then we shot the rest of the scenes this past January. So that's currently in editing. And then I did a movie called Pot vs. Kettle, directed by Christopher Okafer. And um, I worked with my boy Nino. So Nino is at one of Africa's top most impactful people of the year 2023 and I believe 2022. Wow. And um, he was awesome. You know, he's a he's very big in uh, the African culture and uh, in the, in the film industry over there. He's uh, I call him, you know, he's sort of like their Dwayne Johnson is uh, the way who I compare him to. He's, he reminds me of The Rock. He's a big guy, super strong, super jacked and such a sweetheart. He was amazing to work with. Every now and then we'll keep in touch. Super cool. That is still being edited right now. Um, but I'm really looking forward to that being released. Uh, I have a supporting role in it. He's one of the leads. Uh, Zayesha Joseph is actually one of the uh, writers and producers. She also is a lead in it and she gave me the opportunity. So thank you, Zay. I recently did a, well, over the summer, it came out, Ox- The Oxygen Network. Uh, I'm in an episode of New York Homicide, where I'm, I guess it would be a guest star. It's the lead uh, for the episode. I played a character, Julio Rivera. It's a story based on um, a true story. Julio was uh, tragically killed uh, in Queens um, during the 1990s because he was a homosexual. Uh, he was jumped in the middle of the park in Queens, beat into death with by three people that... Uh, jumped him, uh, beat him to death with weapons. He ended up dying uh, in the hospital. And it started this big movement. And actually, um, because of that movement, it, the first uh, gay pride parade, I believe, in Queens, it may have been Jackson Heights, if I remember correctly, um, happened because of him, uh, because uh-huh. of this tragic event. So it was an honor to play that role and really help tell his story um, and learn more about that, because I was just a child when that happened. Um, so that was really that was a really nice experience for me to have to be a part of that. Right, and, right, um, right. How did that feel playing that you did describe? a bit of it right now but how did it how does it feel playing characters that you don't identify can it work for actors and actresses that don't identify as lgbtq i think it can i mean of course you know i think personally i really looked like him and i think that was part of the reason with casting as well so again it goes back to this idea of casting you know sometimes you know you don't control of why you're picked for different things or why you're not right you just control what you can do in the room so in playing that i was trying to be very mindful of that idea that you know i don't belong i'm not i don't identify as lgbtq but i do 
I am an ally of LGBTQ. And so with that in mind, I wanted to make sure that I did everything possible in my preparation for that. Um, speaking with my friends in the community, uh, doing as much research as possible about what happened and what the struggles that he went through and what he dealt with and the actual events that happened in real life um, to make sure that I honored him and the community in the best light that I could possible. Um, so that was an interesting experience because, you know, I, as, as you said, you know, for me, that was different. That was the first time uh, I was doing that. So it was something that for me, I know I wanted to make sure I did as much justice as possible for that role. Right, right, right. And listeners that don't know, an ally means just a supporter of the community. So just in case, because some listeners may not know that term. <laughs> no, absolutely. Allies, baby. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. All right. So what do you want to say this time to other actors and actresses? What do you want to tell them? 2024, we're back to work. We're working on lots of projects. We're not bound by the strike no more. We can audition for things or we can start writing our own material. What's your message to other actors and actresses? So it's been three years that we've now have been meeting and talking. And so if you look back two years ago to where I am now, that was kind of when I was kind of really starting out and, you know, big dreams and aspirations. And it's like, you know, once you start getting into it and doing the work and not focusing on like, oh, how many bookings did I have for this? How many did I have this? But like you focus on yourself as a person developing, having experience, but also on the craft of it. Everything else kinds of fall into place. And nowadays, as an actor, you really have to have so many hats. I mean, I think, I believe I said this last year, where you have to be able to do everything. And if work's not coming in for you, make your own work. You have an iPhone, you can go film something and you could submit it to different festivals if you have an iPhone. If you have a nicer camera, use a nice camera, go collaborate with friends and say, hey, do you guys have any projects of work you're working on? How can I be of assistance? How can I help? Because when you start getting more involved and less impressed, as quoted by Matthew McConaughey, Things start to happen. Doors start to open. People are working on projects that you didn't even know about. And they're like, hey, you know what? I also have this other idea in mind. Would you want to be a part of it? So by getting a foot in the door of helping other people, people, you want to build those relationships because I look at it as like when you collaborate with others, you're part of a team. Whether that team is just for this job or for a lifetime, you don't know what it's going to be. Or, you know, you're with this person and then you don't work again together until 10 years later. And you're like, oh, remember when we did this project and look at us now. Uh, but when you build something as a team, when one of you wins, you all win. And when one of you makes it, you all make it. You know, when you get to the, as working as a producer and different conversations I've had with people, both on the East Coast and West Coast in Texas, the higher you go, the smaller the group gets. But everybody knows everybody. They're all like little clubs. So all the people that have made it, they have their own team. They work with the same people. I mean, look at Adam Sandler. In almost all his movies, there are people in there that are almost in every single movie he makes. That's his team, or that's part of his team, at least on the acting side. Um, the people he works with in production, that's his team. You know, if you look at Martin Scorsese, he uses a lot of the same people in a lot of his films. That was his team. Look at him and De Niro since they were younger now to now. They've been working together for decades on multiple different films. So when you are truly committed to somebody's vision, 
and helping them reach that vision, they recognize that. And in turn, if you come around with your own vision, more oftentimes than not, you will find people, especially that are serious in this industry and that want to create, that they're going to be as committed to your vision as you were theirs. And sometimes they're not, and that's okay. But that's a part of learning, okay, who is on this team and who as I work with them, do I learn like, yeah, I can, this person is somebody that definitely on my team and I would love to be on theirs. And you work towards a common goal because at the end of the day, all of us want to make it. And when you're there, you want to continue to make beautiful art and you want to make beautiful films and television plays. You want to be able to do this at a higher level and constantly achieve more. Some people are happy and satisfied to a certain extent because they reach a goal, but then there's, I feel there's always room, even if you're the best at what you do, there's always room to improve no matter right. what, because we're not, we're not, we're not the best always. And we got to keep, we got to keep evolving. Right. Right. And I like what you said, your circle gets smaller. Did you just want to touch a little bit more deeper into that? Because as you became an actor and you grew more in your career, I'm sure you lost some personal friends and some friends in the industry, right? Yeah. So, you know, for different reasons, there are sometimes there's business decisions you have to make and some people will take it personally. And one of the things I've been told is in this industry, you don't take anything personally. It's just business. Because when you take it personally, it really messes up a lot of different things. So for whatever reason, whatever decisions were made, most of the time, it has nothing to do with you. And that's what I'm saying. You can't control that. Um, in this, in terms of getting the serve getting smaller, you find who the real ones are. You find, you know, real recognizes real. And that's what I love about New York because I feel like you can't get any more real than New Yorkers. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes a little too real, but um, real recognizes real. And when you're going through this and when things hit the fan, you're like, man, this is tough. And you're at a crossroad and you're like, I need help. And you reach out to people or if you're working with somebody on a project, you find out who the real ones are in those moments. Because when everything's good and gravy, then it's easy. Then everybody, everybody's on board. But when things aren't working out, you really need a problem solved. You say, okay, what can we do to salvage this? Or what can we do to make this better? Let's put our minds together. Yeah, there's going to be discrepancies. There's going to be disagreements here and there. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it's a business and you got to make it work. And you find out who's really in it for what we need to do this common goal because it's not about my ego it's not about your ego it's not about this one's ego it's like yo this is for the project and for the art of it how do we make how do we make that happen so in my time i have found people i just recently had a like a three-year reunion almost because i haven't seen them since uh before covid in person with people from my class from anthony apes and studios and i love that those group of people that i went out to uh, we went out and had a reunion. I absolutely love them. I can. I told them that night, I said, one of us makes it, we're all going to make it. And I could see us really having a powerful dynamic in Hollywood and on the big screen and silver screen. And I do think one day that's going to happen. You know, and you got to believe. If you, if you don't believe, that doesn't help because you need all the belief you can get in this industry. <laughs> you need to be your biggest supporter. Right. So that is one thing that you have to be, even when times are down and you question yourself, and trust me, I do that all the time. I'm like, ah, am I really this good or not? Or like, can I really do this? You got to just keep going, be your biggest believer and and do the work. Right, right. Good message. Did you want to throw out your social media platforms and the projects to the listeners? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook, uh, I'm under Greg Valenti Gonzalez, um, at Greg Valenti Gonzalez for all of them as well. 
So nice and easy and simple. And again, be on the lookout. Pot First Kettle's coming. Um, Punk Rock 101 is coming. And also I'm doing this series, West End Girls, uh, which is, I play a cop, one of the series regulars, which is pretty, pretty awesome because it's the first cop, cop role that I've played besides the stuff I did for The Wandering Earth 2. And I've always been interested in doing that. Um, that's a lot of the quote unquote type that I'm told that I that I can play. And um, that's been a really, really cool uh, experience. So we're finishing filming um, this coming March, and then we're filming the rest of the series this summer, I believe. So be on the lookout for that as well. All right. Any final things you would like to tell the listeners a message you would like to tell the listeners this time on year three? Good things take time. And in that time, there's going to be ups and downs and keep pushing forward. Uh, things aren't always easy. Things aren't always, things are sometimes great, but you got to keep pushing forward. And as long as you do that and you keep finding steps to take forward, whether they're big or small, you're eventually going to get to where you want to be. Mm-hmm. You got to keep on pushing to the top. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, as sir. Crystal Waters said, keep pushing up. Things are hey. gonna get better. It hey. will take long. Yeah, you gotta keep pushing. <laughs> <laughs> that was good, Donovan. You so you should we should uh, do a little singing show on here for the Met. Yeah, what are we gonna do? karaoke. Listen, brother, yeah. I always thank you for coming back to the show. You are definitely a New Yorker and definitely a real one. Thank you, Don. So are you, man. Honorary New Yorker right here. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming to back to the show. I really appreciate always getting to know you. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to be here. Always a pleasure to talk to you. And um, I'm looking forward to the next time. It's going to be, I hope I have more to bring. All right. All right. For Matt Radio 1280 AM, I'm Donovan LaCroxy. I would love to thank actor and now producer. You can throw out your full name. Yes, Greg Valenti Gonzalez. Thank you so much for returning to the show. Thank you. And thank you to the listeners for listening to this episode.